we are here. Um, anybody that's been around for a while in the groups knows this man in front of me. I've been doing this for, I think, 14 years now. I've met a lot of people, have had a lot of success working with a lot of big names. And the man sitting in front of me through the screen is probably one of the smartest I've ever met. It's been around a very, very long time. Um, very good friend, worked with him on a mul multitude of projects. And I don't think there's one person out there that would have one bad thing to say about him. Uh, definitely an expert in his field, um, from brand positioning to just everything digital um, in marketing wise from a strategy standpoint. So today I really want to leverage his uh, brain and talking before coming over to the live, uh, we're going to make this into a multi-part series. So I, I'm not sure, Marty, how many you had in mind, but um, the main point of today we're going to talk about is AOV and LTV. And what I was telling Marty is a lot of this stuff that you get with people, um, they talk about it, but they don't really implement any strategy, laying out any groundwork framework to actually get the stuff done and to be able to do the measurement piece of it. So what we're going to actually do is I think today is going to be heavily focused on looking at what all this stuff is and then kind of start laying that framework for part two, where we go into um, a lot of more of those in-depth strategies um, that Mari has really laid groundwork with um, billion dollar brands and, and worked with. So um, he needs no introduction, but I'm going to let him introduce himself anyways. Uh, so Marty, if you want to give a little bit of a background on um, looking snazzy as always, um, a little bit of background on yourself, kind of back in your mad 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 hat days or i forget what they call mad men days and then uh, we'll kind of dive in and and get into the thick of it yeah when they let me out of the asylum right yes <laughs> anyway thanks for the uh, great intro justin um hey everybody uh some of you know me some of you don't um i don't know that there is nobody out there that has something negative to say about me because i do tend to piss people off occasionally but that's all good um I'm one of those people that calls it like I see it. And I've been in the e-com space a long, long time. Uh, yes, I'm older. Yes, I'm wiser. And yes, I'm much better looking. But when it comes to e-com, I have a great portfolio of success. And the reason that I attribute a lot of the successes that I've had in e-com is because I don't play by the rules. I'm a believer that if you do something the way everybody else in your industry is doing it, at best, you're at par with someone else. And you're always fighting. Is it a price war? Is it a my product is better than your type of war? Is it I'm cheaper, faster, whiter, brighter, newer, cleaner? Whatever it is, you're always competing and competing and competing. The more you compete, the more of your money, the more of your time, the more of your resources has to get dedicated to trying to figure out how to beat the other guy. That's kind of silly because every minute matters. Every dollar you spend matters. And one of the topics that we're going to dive into, and, and thanks, Justin, for bringing up this being a multi-part. Yep. Originally, we were going to do this as one session. We were going to talk about AOV and LTV. And everybody who's listening and watching knows what AOV means and knows what LTV means. Actually, not really. And we're going to bust some myths down. 
But the more I thought about it and got ready for today, the more I realized that if you're going to really gain a competitive advantage in your niche, in your category, in your industry, you need to know more than the basic definition. So we need to make this a multi-part series. And with Justin's very kind permission and the kind permission of the entire AdLeaks group and Ad Buyers group, um, we're going to make this uh, several sessions. It'll probably wind up being between three and six sessions over uh, the period of the next couple of weeks or so. Because I want to accomplish a couple of things. First thing is, I want to reset definitions so that when we use the word AOV or we use the word LTV or we use ACRU, one other one that uh, you may not have heard of, um, we're all talking about the same thing. Number two, I want to actually get to the point where I show you by sharing my screen actual live examples on real e-com websites of how these things get implemented. And I'm going to show you one or two of those today. And number three is I want to talk about how they overlap with each other. It's great to say, oh, yeah, my AOV is 50 bucks. What does that really mean? It's great to say my LTV is $150. What does that really mean? How does that help you move forward more effectively, more efficiently, allocate your marketing dollars better? Um, you all know that every dollar you spend in marketing, you're trying to generate a return on, right? Well, some of those dollars are generating a better return than other dollars. How do you measure that? But how do you measure it effectively? And it's not just looking at a dashboard. It's not just looking at, you know, Google Analytics or, you know, uh, optimization and conversion rates. It's, it's not looking at the basic KPIs. What it really boils down to is understanding how these KPIs impact each other. How do you use tactics and strategies about AOV to build a bigger LTV, right? So what good is it if you get a really big AOV, $200 a purchase, but that customer only comes back once a year? Mm -hmm. As opposed to, I'd rather have somebody who had an AOV of $50 and came back 10 times a year. Part of that, though, is, you know, Marty, a lot of people's brands aren't set up. You know, they're they're a single faceted brand. They're not multifaceted. They may not have the right type of product line to be able to have that kind of regeneration of AOV to build that LTV. You know, they might be it might be a one time thing purchase that lasts 18 months before they need another, you know, so well, I'm really glad you mentioned that. Because that's one of the most important concepts. And um, let's dive into that because you brought it up. One of the factors that is going to dramatically change the way people look at their businesses is understanding frequency of the need to replenish the product. So if I'm buying paper towels, a roll of paper towels may last me and my wife a week in the kitchen, I don't know, right? 
or maybe I'm an Indian, I'm a clutch and I spill, you know, my water every morning. So a roll of paper towels only lasts me two days. We need to buy more, right? On the other hand, how often do I buy a new um, iPhone? I don't buy a new iPhone every week, right? So there is a direct relationship between the frequency with which someone has a need or a desire to repurchase. And so what we do is we look at the specific category. So if it's paper towels, Bounty, for example, which is a client of mine a number of years ago, they don't really have to worry about stimulating you to buy more paper towels. Because if you're a paper towel user and you use Bounty for whatever reason you think it works best, when you go to the supermarket or when you go on Amazon or wherever you're buying your products from, you're going to buy more Bounty. You don't have to worry about it. They don't have to give you dollars off, right? They don't have to say, buy three, get one free, because you're buying it anyway. High likelihood of repurchase rate. On the other hand, let's use the other example, Apple, iPhone. You're not buying a brand new phone every week, but what does Apple have that they could sell you on a more frequent basis than a new phone? Um, earbuds, uh, charger cords and cables. How often do you find that your charger cable breaks or you know burns out, right? There are screen protectors, uh, handheld devices, MagSafe units, portable chargers. There's a million other things that don't cost a thousand dollars to buy. They cost 20 bucks to buy or 15 bucks to buy. Mm -hmm. And over time that adds up. So there is a relationship between the core purchased product and how expensive it is and how often you need to replace it and how we use metrics like AOV and LTV to build a more profitable bottom line. And that's what it's all about, right? We're in business because of a lot of reasons. Um, we like what we do. Uh, we want to help people. We want to do good things for the planet. We want to uh, make money. We want to support our wives and our kids and our families and our husbands and put food on the table, buy the house and buy the car and send our kids to school. Whatever it is that we want to do, there are a lot of reasons for doing business. But if you're going to build a business and there's a way that you can squeeze a few extra points of margin out of it, then there's no reason not to do that. And I'm going to make another point, Jay. And I say this in my positioning programs, and I teach a marketing science called positioning, as you know, as some of the people who are watching know. I say this all the time to all of my clients. If you are not absolutely the only one in the whole wide world that sells what it is you sell, or does what it is that you do, there are others. You have competitors. And by definition, that means that the customer you want has choices. They can buy it from you, and they can buy it from your competitor. So now it becomes a race between you and your competitors 
to get in front of the eyeballs of that target and convince them to come to you. You want the customer. You don't want your competitor to get the customer. So I see this all the time. And I get asked this all the time. What do I do to get that target to want me and not to buy from my competitor? And issues like AOV and LTV actually have a place in the answer. So what I'd like to do, if it's okay, Justin, is I'd like to share my screen, run through a quick presentation of some basics, and I'm going to intersperse it with a couple of examples to illustrate what I'm talking about. And I think this will set a great foundation for our next session. And in the next session, I'm going to tease you all a little bit. In the next session, I'm going to show you a couple of very, very interesting tactics that you can deploy. You can actually use them and put them on your websites and in your marketing as soon as I explain them to you. Um, and that's going to be really cool because every customer I've ever done this with has seen an immediate lift and an immediate bump. There's a warning. Some of these things have a very quick response time. They work right away. And some take a longer time. Things don't always result in the results you're looking for overnight. And Justin, how many projects have you and I worked on together, right? Where we're sitting there trying to explain to a client why it's going to take two months to get to this or three months to get to this point. And it's just like you're staring into outer space. Especially depending um, on what level your brand is or how good you are at what you do i mean if your site's really really well optimized and you're you know you do a lot of cro and you have already implemented these maybe a certain way a different way then everybody has a way of doing things it may take even longer because you're already at a very very high baseline um you know sure, sure. but also you just said i'm going to change a few of your words a little bit but you just said the magic sauce Let's suppose I have a website, it's well optimized for conversion, and I get a very, very high percentage of completions, right? My conversion rate, once you hit the website to completing a sale, is extremely high. Well, your problem then isn't a conversion problem. Your challenges drive more top of funnel, get more people to come to the website because you're converting 20, 30, 40, 50, 80% of them to make a purchase. Right? So you're doing really well. Yep. The question becomes is that purchase profitable? Could that purchase be more profitable? Could that customer become more profitable? That's why it's also good to have, I don't know if we'll go over this, probably not, but a new customer conversion rate and an existing customer conversion rate. Like we just did a sell on a, on a client's website. I don't know. I think the last. Two weeks to do a big Christmas sale, and they were at like a 16% conversion rate, which is humongous, right? But if you go in and you look at the actual revenue, break that down. Are they existing customers that are coming from email, or is it top of funnel traffic that has never purchased that finally bought after being nurtured through proper nurturing? And there's a big gap there. So we really try to focus on for established brands on that new customer conversion rate percentage to try and lift that while maintaining you know existing customer. Absolutely. You, you're spot on, 100% correct. And I'm going to give an example of that in a few minutes, right? Um, 
but let me presage it by giving uh, just a verbal example for a minute. Let's suppose that you have a product that is in high demand, that if people saw it and they understood what it did, they would really, really, really want it, okay? And let's suppose that your price point for that product was $25, just making this up. So for a lot of people, $25 is not a lot of money. And for a lot of people, $25 is a lot of money for something they've never tried before. Let's say that your average product is a $25 purchase. But you know that if somebody tries your product, they're going to come back and buy it again and again and again and again and again. Okay. So your challenge now is to get them to try it the first time. Having tried it the first time, the likelihood of coming back is much higher. So what if you said, my cost of goods on this product is, I'm going to again make this up, $3. Why don't I give it away? Why don't I make it a free offer, one time only, limit one per customer, come try my product, it's free. And as part of that, I'm capturing your name, I'm capturing your email address, I'm capturing your uh, long code 10-digit for SMS purposes, whatever I'm capturing. I'm capturing some data about you so that I can market to you by email or by another method to get you to come back and now spend more money. So on my first purchase action with this new customer, I'm giving it away for free. I'm going to be upside down, right? When you compare the cost of giving away one, one unit of your product that costs you a couple of dollars versus the industry average cost of acquisition through paid advertising, let's say, which could be 20 or 30 or 50 or $100, it's a no-brainer. Give away a free product. Spend three bucks, spend five bucks, spend 10 bucks to get the customer as opposed to 50 or 100 and then struggle to get them to come back. So you're absolutely right. There's a huge difference between that first touch purchase and a repeat purchase. And the strategy of how you transition from one to the other is what makes the difference between a business that becomes profitable and a business that struggles for a long time to cross that line into profitability. You so should, with that, go on. You should have screen. Yeah, I'm going to share my screen. Okay. Okay. Can you see my screen, Jay? Yep. Okay. So, hey, everybody, I'm Marty Marion, and this is part one of Advanced Ecom Strategies and Tactics for AOV, LTV, and ARPU. Now, Today is going to be the least advanced of all the advanced stuff because we've got to set a foundation someplace, right? So that's what we're going to do today. And uh, we're going to do some fun stuff. Quickie about me. I've had a more than 40-year career as a big agency principal and executive consultant. I've been a principal and a senior executive of several of the big 
New York City, Madison Avenue, you know, the Mad Men TV show, those agencies. I was a principal of a number of those agencies. And I was responsible for building and developing and inventing strategies for our literally billion dollar clients to go to market with new products and to beat their competition. I created a program called Master Positioning. We'll talk about that sometime later. And now I'm also the CEO, I'm very proud to say, of a publicly traded company that creates an alternative smokable product, but this isn't about selling, so we're going to jump right through that. Let's talk about the e-com dilemma. Everybody is in a different stage of their business. Some people have had their business for a week, a month, six months, a year, two years. It's a different picture. You're in a different piece of the ballgame. So first question I always ask when I'm talking to a new client is, what do you believe your most urgent objective is? Is it growing revenue or is it growing margin? Is it lead gen, building and scaling? Because everything else, as Justin said before, is working great. You've got big conversion rates. They just need more people coming. Or is it increasing sales over time because you're losing customers and you've got to replace them? Is it increasing the quality or the value of your customers? Let's say you've got a range of products, and some of them are low-priced, medium-priced, and high-priced. Well, it's like a jewelry store online. Some of the products are less expensive. Some of the products are very expensive. Do you want to migrate your consumer to spend more, to buy a more expensive product or a higher margin product? Is that your challenge? And all of these cross paths at three critical KPIs, AOV, LTV, and ARPU. We're going to go through each one very quickly. So the first question becomes, well, which KPI is most important to me? And the answer is, they're all important, but they all have a different level of importance for different purposes at different times. AOV obviously, as you know, stands for average order value. It's basically the total of all the revenue you've brought in divided by the number of orders that got completed. So if I brought in $1,000 on 10 orders, my AOV is 100 bucks. Real simple. LTV is lifetime value. And there's a subset of that called customer lifetime value, we'll get to that in a minute, which is how much money is any given customer or group of customers worth to your business during their relationship, their time with you, how long they stay with you. And you can do this over the lifetime of a customer. You can do this over a period of time. But that's where the next one comes in. ARPU, average revenue per user. So here's where we talk about the revenue generated by an individual user or a group of very, very similar users who you can segment together 
over a very specific period of time, a month, a quarter, a year, an annual reporting period. And so when we look at AOV, LTV, and ARPU, it should start to become clear that they all have a slightly different meaning and a slightly different purpose in answering the question, what should I do next in my business to make it more successful and more profitable? So AOV, let's start there. Clearly, we want to max out our average order value, right? But we need to understand what's the price point of our product. If the price point of our product is very, very low, and we really can't change that because let's say a roll, let's use the paper towels example. A roll of paper towels uh, costs what? A uh, $1.50? I'm making this up. You can't really charge $20 for a roll of paper towels and get away with it. No one's buying it. Why? Because of those pesky competitors you have that are selling their paper towels for $1.50. But there are other things you can do to increase the average order value, even on a $1.50 product. I'm going to show you one of those in a minute. The next part is how many products do I have? Is there a value ladder on my products? Do I have some entry-level products to get you started? So you understand my business, you get to work with us, you know our customer service is amazing, and maybe over time you want to buy more and more and more from us. You have an entry point product. Some people call it a lead magnet or a, a, a tripwire product, right? Is there something that your customer can do first? And here's the secret. That has a very, very low risk associated to it or a very, very low cost associated to it. If I buy a roll of paper towels and it turns out to be really garbage, crappy, they tear apart, they fall apart, they don't soak up a lot of liquid, I'm out of $1.50. Is it going to kill my life? No. Big deal. Screwed up. Next time, not going to buy that brand again. But if I buy the wrong smartphone or I buy the wrong car, or I choose the wrong college to send my, my son to, that's a very expensive mistake. Depending on the price point of your product, the level of risk and the level of cost risk to the consumer changes. And that's going to change the way they think about what are they going to do? We're going to talk about that more. And is your price portfolio narrow? Or what? Are all your products between $10 and $20? Or do you have some products that are $10 and some that are $50 and some that are $250? Because different types of consumers are going to fall into different buckets. And the way you approach them changes what your AOV is going to look like. What we're trying to do is we're trying to understand that there's a path. The path is top of funnel, as Justin said. First, first time someone's coming to you, you need to get them to convert, to do something. Then once they've converted, they've made their first purchase, then you put them into a stimulation mentality where your objective is to get them to make a second purchase, and then a third purchase, and then a fourth purchase. And all of that adds up to an increasing 
lifetime value over time. So what we want to look at for AOV is how do we use AOV to bring that fly into our spider web and never let them go and then get them to buy a higher AOV product, a more profitable product? How do we get them to go from buying once every two months to buying once every month, literally doubling the number of purchases? Couple, couple comments on that. Like a lot of people think it's super simple and they may say, well, I'll just do an upsell or I can do a cross-sell and that's going to raise my OV, but it could come down to even product canister size, like strategically mapping out usage to around how many milliliters you have in a bottle and setting that price. Absolutely. And I'm glad you said that because there's an analogy to, I can sell 10 milliliter bottle. I can sell a 20 milliliter bottle. I can sell a 50 milliliter bottle, right? And that's a logical reason why the price point is going to differ. I'm getting twice as much product or three times as much product. It's not hard to say, gee, I, I know why it's more expensive, right? And I'm getting more of it. But there's another way too, and that's called price anchoring. And there's a very interesting psychology strategy that I'm going to show you in a minute called price anchoring that changes the whole ball game. And if you're not using price anchoring, you're leaving money on the table. I guarantee it, period. Absolutely no exceptions. If you're not using price anchoring, you're leaving money on the table. I'm going to show you price anchoring. So what we want to do here in AOV is we want to use AOV to go from top of funnel, first entry, to increased profitability over time. So what we want to do is we want to generate the largest possible pool of customers coming in that we can upsell to over time. We want to turn zeros, someone who's never made a purchase, into a one. They made their first purchase. Then we want to turn ones into twos and twos into threes and threes into fours. And the shorter we can cut the cycle between going from a one to a two and a two to a three, the more absolute number of purchases get made in the same period of time, which increases your total revenue take for that customer. And there are psychological tactics and functional tactics that I'm going to show you a couple that we can use to do that. We can adjust the AOV. And Justin, you and I have done this on a dozen clients, two dozen clients, where we start out with a low AOV intentionally to get the customer to see the risk of spending the money as a lower risk initially. And once they're in, then we can upsell them. Then we can cross sell them. Then we can replenish them and so on. And I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. You see the next line, it says a 20% to a 25% increase is not unrealistic. I'm going to explain that when I get to the next point here. 
if you're used, if your customer is used to spending $20 on a purchase and they'll come back and they'll spend another 20 and they'll come back and they'll spend another 20. Well, you know what? Getting them to spend 20% more or 25% more is a no brainer. Somebody who spends $20 will spend 24 or $25. They just will. Moving them from a $20 comfort level to a $50 comfort level, that's a lot harder. But if we move them from a $20 level over a period of time to a $25 level, we get them used to that. Then moving them from a $25 level to a $30 or a $32 level is a lot easier. So maybe it takes two steps or three steps to bring the customer to the AOV that you're really looking for. But in doing it in a couple of steps, you actually wind up getting more customers to take more purchase actions and you wind up making a lot more money. So I'm going to give you the example of the red light. So we're going to freeze here for a second. For a number of years, almost three years, maybe four years, one of my clients was one of the biggest casino chains in Las Vegas, in the world, actually. And I'm not allowed to mention their name, so I won't tell you it was Caesar's Palace. And my responsibility consulting to Caesar's was a competitive challenge problem because if you don't live in Las Vegas, but you like to gamble, you probably go to Las Vegas once a year, maybe twice a year, depending what industry you're in. Maybe you go for conventions, one of the biggest convention destinations in the world. And when you're at the convention, you go to your favorite casino and you gamble a little bit right? Casinos make their money on the gambling. They don't make it on the hotel. The hotel is a loss leader. They don't care how much money you spend on your hotel room. They give you the hotel room for free. Why? Because you're gambling. Easy for them to give away a hotel room if they know you're walking downstairs and giving them your money at the blackjack table. Anyway, there's a saying in Las Vegas among the casino owners that you play where you stay. So if you're staying at Caesar's Palace Hotel, 70% of your gambling is going to take place at the casino inside Caesar's Palace. Why? Well, your room's right upstairs. You need to go to the bathroom. You want to eat something, whatever else you want to do. You know what goes on in Vegas, stays in Vegas. Um, if you're staying at Caesars, you're playing at Caesars. But guess what? Your partner, your wife, your business associate, your, your kids, whoever you're there with, your friends, they want to go shopping at the mall across the street. Or they want to go see a show at a different casino. So they go to the Venetian. What do they do when they're at the Venetian? They go to the casino floor and they gamble. Well, guess what? That's money that the Venetian is making. Caesars isn't making it. So Caesars doesn't want you to leave the hotel. And they were having a big problem with this. 
So one night I was sleeping there and I woke up in the morning and you know how in hotels, there's this little red flashing light on your phone next to the bed tells you you have a message. Yeah. My red light was flashing. Right. So I'm thinking, wow. Oh my gosh. My wife. Okay. At home. So I picked up, I said, hi, do I have a message? And they said, yes, there's a message. Uh, can you play it for me, please? And they played it. And it was, in fact, my wife. Um, no emergency, nothing was wrong. She just had to talk to me about something. So fine. And not to make a bad pun out of this, but the red light went off in my head. And I said, you know what? That red light probably gets close to 100% percent response rate when you wake up in your hotel room and that red light is blinking almost nobody ignores it maybe somebody at home is sick maybe your kids got into an accident maybe there's an emergency at your business nobody ignores the red light on your phone so i built out this strategy called the red light here's how it worked what we did was, you know how when you, if, if any of you have ever been to a casino, you get a player's card, you sit down at the blackjack table, the dealer says, oh, can I have your card, please? They track how much you play so that they can give you free perks, free tickets to a show, free dinner for you and a partner, whatever, free drinks. So I put together this program called the Red Light. We track how much you play. So, Justin, I'm going to use you and me as an example here, okay? All right. Suppose that um, I don't make a lot of money, and I can afford to play blackjack, um, you know, $20 a hand, and it's not going to kill me. So, I play blackjack for two hours at 20 bucks a hand, and let's suppose over those two hours I've lost – $400. But you, you and I went to Vegas together for a convention and you're a rich dude. You got lots of money and you sit next to me at the same blackjack table, but you're, you're able to play a hundred dollars to hand because that's your comfort. <laughs> so in the same couple of hours, I've played $400. You've played $4,000. Okay. So we quit playing for the night and you go up to your room. I go up to my room. We're ready to go to sleep, right? Can you still see me? Yeah, you're good. Yep. My screen's still up? Yep. Okay. So we stop playing for the night. We go to our room. We go to sleep. And at three o'clock in the morning, the casino turns on the red light on our phone to start blinking without making the phone ring. And all their systems are capable of doing this. So when we wake up in the morning, your red light's blinking and my red light's blinking. So I pick it up and I say, hi, uh, this is Mr. Marion. Is there a message for me? And you pick it up and you say, hi, this is Mr. Brenner. Is there a message for me? And we trained the operators to say, Oh, um, Mr. Brenner, there is an envelope for you at the VIP desk. 
can you please come get it before 11 a.m.? What are you going to do? There's something for you waiting at the VIP desk. You're going to get it. Same thing with me. Mr. Marion, there's a package waiting for you at the VIP desk. Wow. I'm throwing on my robe and going down to get it. So we both go to the VIP desk. Hi, I'm Mr. Marion. I understand there's a package for me. Hi, I'm Mr. Brenner. I understand there's a package for me. And they said, just let me check. Walked in the back room. They came out and there was an envelope. Beautiful envelope with the gold crest of Caesar. And it said, from the office of the president of Caesar's palace. Wow. We open up the envelope, personally addressed. Dear Mr. Brenner, thank you so much for being a guest at our facility. We noticed that yesterday you earned a total of 2,000 points in our Players Club based on your playing yesterday. Okay. And on my letter, it says, we noticed that you earned a total of 200 points, not 2,000. Because I played a lot less than you did. So I was worth less to the casino than you were. But you make way more than I do. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> so my letter says, Mr. Mary, congratulations, you've earned 200 points in our, in our program. And then each of our letters says, and if by 6 p.m. tonight, you earn an additional, and we added 20%. So if you earned 2,000, you needed to earn an additional 400 points. And if I earned 200 points, I needed to earn an additional 40 points. And the letter went on to say, and if you earn, Mr. Brenner, an additional 400 points by 6 p.m. tonight, you will get your entire hotel room charge waived. That's a big benefit. You don't have to pay the 250 bucks for your hotel room. So guess what you're doing? You're going to play until you get that additional 400 points. And then the letter went on to say, and you can earn those 400 points by playing a $100 hand of blackjack for 30 minutes. And my letter said, I can earn those 40 points by playing a $20 hand of blackjack for 40 minutes. Told you how to get the points. So what we did was we A-B tested this. We turned the red light on in half the rooms of the hotel with this program, and the other half we didn't. And in the 50% of the rooms that we used the red light stimulation program, we increased the take to the casino by almost 600% over 60 days. Hmm. Why? Because telling you, Justin, or telling me, Marty, or telling you, Bob, or Susie, or Carol, or whoever, 
to spend 20% more than you're used to spending is an easy hurdle to grow you to. It's called a simple stretch. So your AOV to the casino went from $2,000 to $2,400. No big deal. If the casino had said you have to double your spend, you probably wouldn't have done it. Now apply this to a website. If I sell you a product and then I email you after you've bought the product at a low AOV, I email you an upsell of some sort where I'm asking you to spend no more than 20 to 25% more. Maybe it's a related product. Or maybe it's a buy one, get one free. Whatever it is, if I stretch you 20 to 25%, bang, I've won. And then in the CRM, I mark you down as a positive check mark. You are a responder to the stretch of AOV. Now I keep you at the $25 AOV for once or twice, and I stretch you again to 30. And I keep you there once or twice and I stretch you to 40 or 50. And I keep going until you get to a point of no return where you don't take the offer. And then I say, ah, now I know that Justin's limit of comfort is $40. So I can send you $35 and $40 offers until the cows come home and you're comfortable. That's a comfort level for you. I send you $50, $60, $70 offers. You're not taking them. Right. This is how we use AOV to test. Let's jump along to LTV quickly. LTV and AOV are related. Your average order value affects your customer value curve, right? Because some customers will only spend $20. Some customers will spend $50. Some customers will spend $100. Well, when you get to your comfort spend level, and then I can stimulate you to buy more frequently, I increase the LTV. AOV is an on-the-spot tactic right now. LTV refers to how long I can keep you as the customer. How easily can I stimulate the frequency with which you make your next purchase and stretch your AOV a little bit. And that builds up LTV. So LTV is directly related to things like loyalty, loyalty programs, creating closed loops, urgent opportunities, holiday special, good until midnight tonight, you know, urgency works, but only if you use it right. So if you set up a proper AOV strategy to bring them in the first time, exactly as you said, Justin, and then you modify your AOV strategy over time, you can increase your LTV very quickly, very consistently, and very predictably. A couple of observations. AOV is not stable. Right, because we're changing it all the time. We're testing. 
how much can I get Justin to spend? Right. So we don't use AOV as a predictor of profitability. LTV is also changing, but it is a reliable predictor of profitability. If I know what your cadence is, meaning your ARPU, we'll get to ARPU in a second. So AOV is intentionally flexible. We're constantly changing it. We're constantly testing it. Until I get you to the point of no return where you've stopped responding to my offers. I have a question. Buying. question for you. Yes, Can AOV affect LTV in any negative way? Obviously, if it drops, yes. The only way that AOV can negatively affect a LTV is two ways. You said oh, one is good. the very first time I hit your website. Yeah. If I look at your price points and I say, oh my God, this stuff is expensive. Because there was no entry level AOV for me. Right. I'm gone. Like going to buy a Rolex, but you're expecting a Timex price. Exactly. I got a Timex budget, but I want a Rolex. So that's one thing. So if you're going to sell Rolexes, you also want to sell one that's not expensive. Or maybe you want to sell used Rolexes that somebody can be as an entry-level Rolex, right? So they can buy one for a couple of hundred dollars or whatever. They can get into it and still say, I got a Rolex. Yeah, it's a little beat up. Yeah, it's five years old model, right? It's not the chronograph with the diamonds and so on. Okay. Where are you getting your Rolexes from for a few hundred? I need that guy's number. <laughs> yeah, there are. I'll show it to you. Yeah, the second way that AO that AOV can hurt your LTV yeah. is if you try to increase it too quickly. Because customers aren't stupid. They see, okay, I'm spending 20, I'm spending 20, I'm spending 25, I'm spending 25, I'm spending 27, I'm spending 27, I'm spending 82. What? If you try to raise your AOV too quickly, your customer is going to catch on that your early AOV was only a trap to get them in. So you want to be careful about how flexible you are with raising your AOV and using it as a testing metric until you can get to the point of no return. And then instantly you back it off yep. and you give them an offer within their comfort range, like within an hour. Yeah. LTV, by the way, needs to be monitored from day one. The very first time somebody hits your website, they either buy or they don't buy. Yeah. Whether they buy for a dollar, twenty dollars, five hundred dollars, eight thousand dollars, whatever it is, they've bought, and whatever they've spent, that's their LTV. If they come back in a week, if they come back in three weeks, if they come back in eight weeks and make a second purchase, add the two together, that's their LTV. So, if you understand what your real LTV is, either by customer or by segment of customer, you can better allocate your marketing resources to more profitable customers. So if I find out that ads on Facebook, on average, over the period of a year, 
are generating customers who have an LTV of $300, but ads on TikTok are generating customers over that same period of time that have an LTV of $100, then Facebook ads are more profitable for me than, than TikTok ads. So now you just do a simple mathematical calculation. What's your ROAS? What am I spending versus what am I getting? Where's my more valuable customer coming from? That's where I want to put more of my money. That's a simple, everybody on this group knows, knows that. So um, here's the other point I wanted to make. AOV is an immediate tactic. Come to the website, see the product. I say, yeah, I can spend that. That seems like it's worth it. I trust the product, reviews, testimonials, great content, product seems valuable, whatever, all good. Boom, I'm buying. LTV is a simple, it's, it's a summation of all the combined purchase actions put together over a customer's lifetime, right? Now the question becomes, how long is their lifetime? How do we keep that customer longer? regardless of what they're spending each time. And the secret is half not a secret and half a tactic. So the not a secret is sell a good quality product, have good customer service. Somebody complains, give them a refund. Don't make them jump through 87 hoops, right? Because complainers are louder customers than happy customers. You don't want complainers. You don't want chargebacks. So good customer service is part of the formula. But here's another part. You want it to hurt. If a customer leaves your business, leaves your website, leaves your brand, you want it to cost them somehow. Emotionally, financially, mentally, you want them to have a sense of loss if they go away. Now, that sense of loss could, for example, be loyalty points. Every time you buy a product from us, you earn a certain amount of loyalty points. But if you opt out, you lose your points. Very simple, very legal, very perfectly within TOS, right? To keep your loyalty program active, you can't opt out. Now, if I've got 8,000 air miles on American Airlines and American Airlines says to me, that if I don't use my points by December 31st, which is now uh, 22 days away, I'm getting really pissed off. I paid a lot of money to earn those air miles. And now you're telling me that it's use them or lose them in a two-week notice period? That's not right. I'm upset. So when I do loyalty programs, I never do them by milestone, and I never do them with a forced expiration. I always do variable loyalty. Next time, when we do our session, I'll show you variable loyalty. Let's talk about ARPU, average revenue per user. Now, this is a formula for determining the revenue of all of your users. People who come to your website and just read, 
They haven't bought. They come back. Maybe they add to cart, but they didn't buy yet. All of your visitors together, total revenue during an accounting period of time, whether that's a month, a quarter, a year, semi-annual, whatever it is, all revenue from all users. Because you're going to need to reconcile your cost of acquisition over all the money you brought in. That's a real cost. Because you want to determine your bottom line profitability, not only because you got to pay taxes, but you want to know, is my business profitable? I could be bringing in $5 million of revenue and not be profitable. What good is that? So you use ARPU to give you a picture, a real picture of the true value of your business. Now, there's no exact standards because ARPU is going to vary depending on your business. Are you selling cars? Are you selling Rolexes? Are you selling paper towels? It's going to vary on your competitors. Do I have a couple of competitors or do I have a million competitors? It's going to vary on your entry price point. All of these things matter. Imagine you have three price ranges, low, medium, and high, right? Here's a set of strategies to increase your total revenue. If your ARPU is close to the high range of your product portfolio, it means most of your customers can afford it. No one's complaining because they're all spending at the high end. That tells me I can easily increase my prices a little bit, 20%, and my customers will still feel comfortable. So I want to create a higher priced opportunity or stimulate my customers a little more frequently. Instead of emailing them once a month, maybe I email them every two weeks. Because if they're already paying the high price range without complaining, I know I can push it further. If the majority of my ARPU is close to my medium price point of product, it means that those customers may be able to afford a little bit more. So I still use the 20% rule and I raise my medium product prices 10%, 15%. It's almost unnoticeable. But in the aggregate of 100, 1,000, 10,000 customers, it adds up to massive incremental revenue. And you keep increasing by another few percent, another few percent, another few percent, until you start to see a drop in sales cadence, which tells you, I pushed it as far as I can push it. You back it down one level and you leave it there. If your ARPU is close to your low price point products, it means your pricing is out of the acceptable range for the most part, or your targeting is off. I'm selling Rolexes to people who only have a Timex budget. Well, according to your guy, they're only a couple hundred bucks. Everybody can afford a Rolex. Uh, well, that's right. But that's only for you know close friends. So, yeah. um, But what that means is if the majority of your customers are buying your lowest price products, you need to modify your marketing and your top of funnel acquisition strategy because you're off base. You're bringing in the lowest level of customers or most of your products are priced way out of, of line. So very quickly, how do you calculate these? AOV, 
You divide total revenue by number of orders. There it is, AOV. LTV, and there are two calculations, as I said before, LTV and CLTV. LTV, you take the average value of a sale, multiplied by the number of transactions, multiplied by the retention period. So I've been in business for eight months. My lifetime is eight months. What was the average sale I made times how many transactions over the eight months? There's my LTV. My CLTV, my customer lifetime value, is my LTV, which I just calculated above, times my profit margin, which means I need to know what my cost of goods is and my marketing cost and my cost of acquisition so that I can deduct that from my lifetime value and I get a real value for my business. Seems like CLTV is a more smarter method. It's a little scarier because it's going to tell, you know, a lot of people fool themselves. Oh, my LTV is 200 bucks. Well, that's great. What's your real CLTV? What's your business worth? Oh, well, it's only making a couple of pennies. That's not very good. Anyway, um, that's it for part one. Um, Next time, Justin, you know, we've run almost what? um, We're at an hour because we started. So here's what we're going to do. You and I will talk offline. We'll pick a date maybe sometime next week. And I'm going to show everybody price anchoring. Price anchoring is one of the all-time coolest tactics I know. Price anchoring literally will double your sales if you do it right. Immediately. Immediately. And I don't know very many products that can't do price anchoring. It's almost something that every single person can do, every single brand can do, every single product can do, and even services can do it too. But I'm going to talk about it from an econ perspective, and I'm going to show everybody a couple of actual real live examples on websites of how price anchoring works and how a couple of brands screwed it up completely. All right. So with that... I'm available to answer any questions. Justin, you know how to reach me. If anybody reaches out to you with any questions, I am happy to continue this. Um, yeah, I'm just going to see if we have any questions from the audience. I was listening to you and I wasn't really looking at the chats as much. Um, let's see. Something I can't find it now because there's so much comments in here. I know I was so thorough that there are no questions. Well, probably, uh, yes, this is being recorded. Uh, AJ, it's on this post, you can scroll back and watch it. Um, Nicholas says, Thanks for the speech. Mar- if you get to know Marty, Marty, you can tell him, you can tell him, I, I talk way too much. Yeah, Marty is a uh wealth of knowledge that will i mean you could sit at dinner you could go to breakfast and it would be we call it supper here in south dakota but it would be dinner time and you'd be like where'd the time go (laughs) so (laughs) uh, and i'm not ashamed of it 
No, I mean, it's usually all, you know, there's a lot of wealth and knowledge. You've been doing this a very long time. Because you've been doing this for how long? How many years? 40 years. I mean, that's older than I've been alive, so. Yeah, somebody asked if they could get a, I don't want to spend more than like 60 seconds on it. So in Mario time, that's like five seconds. But they want an intro on what price anchoring is. On what? From what what is price anchoring? Oh, what is price anchoring? Keep it short. Don't give a don't give away the tuna. Real simple. I have a product. Here's a bottle of water that I sell. I'm just picking up a bottle from my desk. Here's a bottle of water that I sell. Price anchoring says if you buy one, it's ten dollars. If you buy two, it's sixteen dollars. So it's only $8 each. If you buy three, it's only $15. So you're only paying $5 each. That's price anchoring. Now, that's not the way to do it. You want to tune in next week. That's absolutely the wrong way to do it. Price anchoring is a way to take a product make various permutations or bundles of that product at different price points per unit. And there's a very specific psychology that makes it work every single time. Is that Walmart that on the, I think it's, I don't, I avoid Walmart because it's a, that's another story. We could do a whole live on the life of Walmart, but is it Walmart that puts the price per ounce and like the price per on the labels? Yeah, a lot of stores are doing that now. So, for example, if you want to buy, you know, a dozen eggs and, uh, you know, the dozen eggs is two dollars and 40 cents. Right. Um, then it says, well, per egg, 20 cents. And then you look at the next brand and it says per egg, 18 cents. And you think maybe I'm saving money, but maybe it's not organic. Right. Right. So that's a gimmick. Don't fall for that gimmick. Right. If you buy this, it's only eight dollars as opposed to buying fewer of them where it's that's a gimmick. That's not the way to do price anchoring. Okay. There you go. There's your question or answer, Bianca. All right, Marty, I will connect with you offline. I'll give you a call in a little bit and we'll find something. Schedule it. Get it on the books for next week. Sounds good. Thank you for the opportunity. and. Always love chilling with you, Jay. Yeah. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Yeah, bye.